This podcast is a service of Bridgeway Community Church in Rockford, Michigan. Thanks for listening. Here's today's message. Good morning, everybody. Fantastic to see you all beautiful people. Yes. So uh, just as you know, I am not Ron, as was introduced. Uh, but so I'm Randy Phillips. In case you haven't met me, we've been with Bridgeway for since the beginning, uh, back in 2000. So my wife, Jennifer, we have two kids, Teresa and Marty, and uh, we've just loved, this is our church home, been home for a long, long, long time. And a little side note, maybe uh, some trivia that uh, maybe you did not know, Pastor Ron and myself went to high school together. So I have loads of stories. If you want to see me after, I'm more than happy to share those. Uh, just joking. He's probably got way more stories about me than I would have about him. Um, but yeah, so and Ron's on a sabbatical, uh, so I'm just so privileged to, to be able to, to share the word and just kind of learn about Jesus together as a family. Um, so privileged to, to be able to share today. And I was thinking about, as we're preparing, as I was thinking about this message, I thought last week um, Ron had a great uh, message that wrapped up the Stand Firm uh, series, and we were talking about First uh, Peter chapter 3, and um, he ended the series with how do we all win? That was the question. How do we win as a church? How do we win as we follow Jesus? Um, and, and he shared five markers from, from Peter showing us the way. One was be like-minded, uh, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and be humble. And so I thought, first that was brilliant, well done, um, but I thought, what if we just, this week, we talk about, you know, maybe it'd be fitting because it's Father's Day, how do we all win as dads? I thought that'd be a good thing to talk about. So, um, no, just so you know, I don't have it all figured out, just to clarify up front, okay. Um, but I've got a couple of kids of my own. It's been a journey of lessons learned along the way, and um, I'll share some of those. But more importantly, I feel that, man, we can learn so much from Jesus about how to be dads, and, and it'll be fantastic. But first, I must give you know, honor to all the dads in, in the present room, a present father, as well as those that have passed on. Um, I know my dad passed away about was four years ago now. Um, dude, I just miss him. I know there's, there's folks that have lost their, their, their fathers, and so just thinking about you today. Um, but also, I want to share how important fathers are, man, how important fathers are to, to our children's life. Uh, I know for me personally, it's been the greatest joy and honor to be a dad um, to two kids. And um, I think it surpasses, I can't put words to it, but it's been a, an absolute joy. Um, but I also want to say kids need fathers. Kids need fathers. And I think one thing is, is just to remember, and I know from my own story, so much of our identity is connected to the father's affirmation to the child. And so there's so important of, of dad's role in a child's life. And so I just want to say you're needed. Every dad in here or online, you're needed. You're needed. I also want to say that you, it doesn't matter how good you think you are or how bad you think you are, or you don't have to have all the answers. Just be present. You're needed. You have what it takes. Be with your kids, and, 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 and it will make a difference in their lives. So how do we win as dads? So, well, today's message is titled Returning Home, and uh, we're going to camp out in a familiar story of the prodigal son story. Hopefully most of you have heard the prodigal son story, um, and so, but, but maybe we're going to learn something a bit new today about the story that I think might reimagine it in a way that might be a, a new fresh take. Uh, so what I wanted to kind of share is we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, and where the parable of the prodigal son is. But it's interesting, there's three, I think, key truths in the story, which we'll talk about today. I think if we apply these three truths, we'll be, I feel we can be better dads, and we can win. Um, and so what I also know is that as we look at this, this parable, 
Um, well, first of all, this is also going to be, it'll fit for, your, for moms and sons and daughters, not just dads, okay? So it's not just for dads today, but um, they're true. I think will we'll, we'll fit us all. So um, one thing I love is Jesus, short, he shared so many stories and parables in the Gospels. And um, I think one is, is, you know, coming from Luke 15, we have the prodigal son story, but there's two parables that lead up to it, and it's the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep. And so each of those, those three stories have a theme, and it's, it's something or someone was lost. There's a pursuit of that thing or someone, and then there's a returning home. And I think there's this, this theme to that that, that that God wants us to see in this picture. Um, and I think also what's, what's amazing is stories really help paint pictures with, with words. And so they, they bring us into the character, the storyline, the emotion. You know, stories move us. They, they, get, the, they get us, uh, you know, moving uh, emotionally into uh, kind of being, seeing yourself in that, that story or that storyline. So I was thinking, what, what story inspires you? Um, what, what movie or what film inspired you? So because it's Father's Day, I thought maybe I'll pick a couple guy films. Uh, so... What movie comes to mind when you hear Neo or Morpheus? Yes. So the blue pill, red pill, right? I mean, it's a killer movie. Becoming Neo, becoming he was meant to be crazy kung fu, right? That's back when that was brand new and the the cinema, whatever they call that cinematography, was beyond what we had learned back then. I'm dating myself now, but that's totally fair. But um, stopping bullets with bare hands, right? Come on, who does not want to be able to have that ability? Stopping bullets with bare hands. How about... Aragorn, Gandalf, and Frodo. Yes. All right. I feel there's women answering these and not the guys. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so uh, my favorite, well, it's the pursuit of the one ring that rules them all, right? Um, my favorite is the return of the king, and it's, it's like this giving. There's a one scene where it's the giving of the sword to Aragorn, Aragorn, Gorn, whatever, as, as uh, be the man you're supposed to be. And he goes and rallies this army of dead people <laughs> to have this final epic battle, right? To return, to his, return home to his proper position as king. All right, how about last one? How about Jason Bourne? Bourne Identity. Another woman. I love it. People, women love, must love these, these films. Um, Jason Bourne's pursuit of his true identity, right? Like all of a sudden he's, he's, he's got these crazy mad skills. And he has no memories of who he is or what his identity is, but he's this journey of learning. But all that to say, stories are great, aren't they? Stories are awesome. I love them. Um, here's a question that I'll, I'll leave with you, and we'll, we'll kind of pick it up. But, but what story about yourself are you believing? What story about yourself are you believing? Think on that. We'll pick it up at the end of the message. Uh, but first, let's open up our Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 15. And or if you got your app, pull out your app. That's fantastic. Uh, verse 15, we're going to start, I'm sorry, chapter 15, verse, verse 11. We're going to read through the parable of the lost son. So verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the, the pigs were eating, but no one, uh, but no one gave him anything. <clears throat> when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, right? 
Here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like the one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it, on his, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. So meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father's killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and back sound. The older brother became angry. He refused to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never, never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never, even, never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. And the father replies, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. So that's a great story. And there's, there's three characters in the story. Um, the younger son, the elder brother. And the father, we'll walk through each of these, but, but what I want to share is this new idea that I, I learned recently. I thought it would be super fun to share it with, all, with, with you all. Um, and I think it might even help us reimagine the story, maybe in a way that we haven't heard it before. So, but starting with historical context, the audience that Jesus is talking to is a first century Jewish audience. So an audience with a rich, meaningful culture full of stories. And traditions. So, so let's first look at, at verse 12 where the younger, younger son asks, give me my share of the estate. So culturally, this would cause this audience to be an absolute shock. Well, this is why. So Kenneth Bailey is a theologian and author of a, a book called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. And he writes, for over 15 years I've been asking people of all walks of life, from Morocco to India, from Turkey to Sudan, about the implication of a son's request for his inheritance. Well, the father's still living. The answer was emphatically has been the same. So conversations, they run as follows. And it goes on to what these conversations look like. Has anyone ever made such a request in your village, she would ask. Never was the response. Could anyone ever make such a request? Impossible was the response. If anyone ever did, what would happen? His father would beat him, of course. Why? The request means he wants his father to die. So author Henry Now in his book, uh, Return of the Prodigal Son, writes, The son's leaving is, is a much more offensive act than it seems at first reading. It's a heartless rejection of the home in which the son was born and nurtured and, and, and a break with the most precious tradition carefully that's been upheld by their larger community. So when Luke writes, and he left for a distant country, it indicates much more than a desire of a young man just to go and experience more of the world. He speaks about this drastic cutting loose or cutting off from the way of living, thinking, and acting that has been handed down for him to generation to generation as a sacred legacy. 
So more than disrespect, it's a betrayal of the treasured values of family and community. So this is significant, not just because of the cultural context, but I think it just, just causes me to pause and realize I'm the rebellious son. Okay, it may, it may not be the physical, but it's a spiritual leaving home. There's times when I am that rebellious son where pride seeps in, and I, I feel like it, maybe it's a, either I take this low view of myself or maybe a high view of myself. Either way, it's about me, and it becomes a self-sufficiency where all of a sudden I, I kind of want to go my own way. Um, but glory be to God that, that thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness, right, that, that he doesn't forget us when we forget him. Praise God for that, right? Um, Okay, so here's this new idea. I want to share a word with you. We're going to learn some Hebrew today. It's called kazaza. I say it together. Kazaza. One more time. Kazaza. Isn't that a fun word? I mean, just saying it, isn't it fun? It's just me. I thought that was a really fun, fun word. But kazaza means the cutting off. So in verse uh, 17 through 20, where Luke writes, when the, the son came to his senses, and he, he says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So he sets out to go back to the father. And, and when he's a, while, a long way off, the father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran, ran to his son, right? He throws his arms open and kisses him. So I, I recently learned that in this first century Jewish culture, if a Jewish son had lost his inheritance among the Gentiles, then, and then returned, tried to come back home to, to the community, to the village, the whole community, this is crazy, the whole community would, would perform the ceremony called the kazaza, or cutting off. So they would break, they'd come out to the edge of this, the village line, and they'd all be carrying pots, these clay pots. They'd get up to the edge of the line, and they'd see the sun coming, and they would, they would just smash these pots. And what that meant, imagine you smashing pots all around, it would, it would basically mean that you are rejected. You are not welcome here. You are cut off. So imagine this, this crowd of people coming towards the son who's trying to come back home and saying, you are rejected. You are cut off. And so I think another significant thing that I learned also historically was that this, a first century Middle Eastern uh, Jewish man would never, 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 ever run. And it's interesting. So if he had run, he'd have to hitch up his, his tunic or whatever you call that thing that they wore back then. But so he wouldn't trip, right? You have to hook this, hook this thing up. So by doing that, he would expose his bare leg. And so culturally speaking, that was a humiliating act if the, the bare leg of a man was shown. And so it's, it's, it was extremely shameful, okay? So, so why did the father run? I think maybe he probably ran in order to get to his son before the son entered the village. And the father runs ahead of the crowd, right? And, and shames himself in this effort to get his son before the community gets to him. So that his son does not experience the shame and rejection of being cut off. Imagine that. you got this whole community running with pots in their hands, right? And they're just going, man, this, this kid's got it coming. He's done so much wrong. He's cut off. He's never coming back. And all of a sudden they see the father blast past him, right? Like, whoa, wait a minute. And the father runs to the edge. And instead of throwing the pot down, what does he do? He embraces him. He says, here's my robe. He kisses him. He celebrates him. Like, imagine being in that community, knowing that that's a tradition, and also knowing that, wait a minute, they saw this emotional interaction, right? They're like, something is not right. This is, like, very clear. There's no ceremony. The Kazaza ceremony is not going to happen, okay? There would be no rejecting of this son. And, and the father had, had taken that full shame on him. And, and so clearly, the, 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 
as this welcoming back, that had to put the, the, the whole community in awe, right? And so according to the ceremony of Kazaza, the father traditionally would actually stay home. He'd be emotionally removed from the ceremony to see, basically to see what the son had to say for himself. So the mom would come to the ceremony and ask for mercy, but not the dad. So the prodigal's father, he broke all the customs, right? He broke all the rules. I love that. He broke all the rules and said he ran, he showed his legs, he forgave before the ceremony of Kazaza could be done before cutting off the son from the community. What an amazing picture of a father. So I'll ask you, what, what's, actually earlier, what story are you believing? What story have you been keeping in the back of your mind, and maybe even today? Is that a story that says you're rejected? You've done something so much you can't be brought back home. You're cut off. Is that, is that thought there? Well, that is not what Scripture says. That is not what the gospel says. That, that is such a, a, again, this picture of the, the father running towards us with compassion, longing to forgive, and longing to celebrate. The robe was waiting. The sandals are there. The ring is waiting. So to win his dads, I feel we can learn and apply three truths from this story, uh, which each truth connects to a character in the story. So first I'll say, let's, let's look at be a son or maybe be a daughter. But in this, in this, in this parable, in the story, what does that mean? It means receive. The first thing to be a son or be a daughter is to receive. And the father runs towards the son, towards you and I, always. Always wanting to throw a party just for you, to restore you back to good, to restore what's broken, back to your rightful position as son as daughter. And notice the father embraces his son before the son ever says a word. Catch that. The father embraces the son before the son speaks a word. That is the gospel, folks. Grace is waiting. It's God is coming towards us. That is the gospel. It's good news. We just have to receive it. So I feel that maybe the best thing we can do to give our kids as dads, I think is to model what it means to be a son. I feel we dads need to learn how to be a son, to be fathered by Jesus before we can be good fathers to our kids. Learning to live as one who's loved, approved by the Father, like Jesus living in dependence and joy in the Father's love, believing that, I think, I I believe all my heart that that would speak volumes if our kids saw this dependence on Jesus from the dads. What an amazing thing that would be, that would far outweigh our teaching, it would far outweigh our words sometimes, I think it would far outweigh a lot if we would just be sons. The second truth, be present. The elder brother, notice the elder, elder brother in this story. The father, key, the father comes towards the elder brother as well. I missed that the first, whatever, 20 times through that story. The father goes to the elder brother just as he does to the son. So the father comes towards the elder brother, even, even as the elder brother is judging his younger brother, right? He's complaining why he's the one that I've slaved for you forever, never disobeyed. And why am I not celebrated, right? That's what he's saying. He's whining, completely whining. And so, but the father went out and pleaded with him in verse 28. But the, I think the key is the elder brother forgot who he was. And I think he forgot whose he was. He was a father's son, a son who's the father speaks over everything I have is yours. You are loved. So man, when I begin to, to complain, okay, or judge, 
or maybe complain about my kids. It happens. Maybe I need to pause for a moment, just pause, and maybe in that, that moment, just be aware of the goodness that's all around me, the kindness of God who fills everything in every way with his love. Be aware that I don't lack anything because I am his son. I am a daughter. Be thankful, be grateful, and be present, especially with your kids. Be present. There's so much power in being present with your kids. A friend recently shared a way to kind of put this to, to action as he found a way to be present with his kids. He shared a brilliant question that he asked his kids. So he'd pull his, he has two boys. He'd pull the boys one at a time. They'd go have, you know, ice cream. They'd go have a sandwich together, whatever. Fine time to be with your kids. And he would get them in a, you know, we're in a car or whatever they're at. And he would say, son, what is one thing I can do more of? And what is one thing I can do less of? What's one thing I can do more of? What's one thing I can do less of? Not 20, because I got loads of stuff wrong. <laughs> so just asking one, what's one thing? But what, what he found is his kids began to open up. And his kids began to share some things. And, and I know, uh, first of all, you got to make time for this stuff. So I would encourage you this week, just do that. Make time for your kids and ask that question. And, you know, and I'll also tell you, I've done this with my own kids. I said it a little differently, but same question, same, same idea. But it takes a few times. It takes a little while before your kids actually be honest with you. Because first they're like, oh, you're great, Dad. <laughs> Wouldn't change a thing. Man, you're awesome. Until like the third or fourth time, and like, well, you know, Dad. Like one time I remember saying this to my son. He's like, you know, every time we, we, we were together, we'd have breakfast every Saturday. And he goes, every time we're together, he says, uh, when, when you get a phone call, you'd pick it up. When I'm right in front of you, you'd, you'd answer the phone. Like it's almost like you, you don't value me. Like I'm not that important. I'm like, ah, oh, that cut me to the heart. Like, oh, man. So I would make sure when I'm with my kids, I'd try my best to put the phone off. So I think, again, this, that's just a practical way that we could apply to be better dads. Um, so lastly, the third truth, I'll say, is to be moved. And this is the picture of the Father. So eventually, we all, by the power of the Holy Spirit, need to become like the Father, who's full of compassion, running towards others in love and forgiveness, arms open wide, celebrating our kids or those in our influence, Freely giving ourselves for others, saying, you know, saying to our kids, you're not cut off, you are not rejected, you are loved, you are mine. A, a child receives such a self-image from their father. If you could say that and just their kids would just own that, it would change their world. To say that you're mine and, and put the best robe, the best shoes, the ring on your finger that says you belong, let's have the party begin. I want to read a, a couple of, of letters to, that my kids wrote me. A number of years back, I uh, made it through the first service without getting all emotional. So I'm going to do my best to not get all emotional in this, this time, but no guarantees. But this is an encouragement for, um, for dads. I feel the ton, folks, just so you know, but just keep at it. Just keep at it. Be vulnerable. Be present. Jesus helped me, and he'll certainly help you. So one, one letter came from my son when he was uh, first off to college. He sent me this, wrote me this card, and the card was actually a picture of a tree, Really cool. At first I thought it was a tree, and as I looked closer, it was actually words written in a tree, the shape of a tree. And these words said, A man founded on the careful teaching of a, teachings of a loving father is like a deeply rooted tree. He will grow despite the most furious storms. Thanks for showing me that despite the world's constant push to have a backup plan, to be safe, and to be cautious, or be fearful of risk, it's okay to follow your heart. Dad, you've taught me the value in chasing down my dreams. Because of you, 
Because I know that with a little faith and a heart full of the purest desire, literally anything is possible. In closing, happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you and appreciate all you do for me. It's the second letter I'll, I'll share is from my daughter. And this was when she was, she was 18 at the time. And it was on my birthday. My daughter always write me these, these notes. I, I have every single one she ever wrote. Like I'm in a box. So, but uh, she wrote me these notes, and they were adorable. And this one uh, specifically was, was just profound. It, it just moved my heart as a dad. Um, dad, you are not 48, but you are 44 today. I'm not sure. I think she got my birthday, my age wrong, for whatever reason. So, but all the good memories, Dad, that I have in my heart from the past eight years feel like they have been there since birth. So my daughter's adopted. Um, maybe I'm not your daughter in blood or have the same eye color, but we have something special that I never wish to lose. Since day one, you have become the person that I can always look up to and never doubt you won't be there when I need you. I love you so much, Dad. I just hope you know that. And these are, spe- these are treasures, right? It's such an honor to be a dad. What, a, what an absolute honor. So I was just trying to think, how can I close this idea up of the kazaza and the the be, be a son, be a daughter, be present, be moved. And I thought um, back to the story that I asked um, a question, or I'm sorry, the question I asked earlier, what, what story are you believing? And I thought um, maybe I could use a metaphor. So this is what this record player is all about. Because um, the, the story we believe, and we all have one, and my son is older now, and he would say, Dad, we have bodies with memories. I love that. Like, we can think we're, we, we, we think we're, we're, not, we're bi- or non-biased or whatever. Like, we think we don't. We're coming at something with pure intention and pure motive. And we realize, you know what? We've got memories. And they, they affect how we parent, how we live life, how we see God, right? We all have stories. And I think stories is like this song that's playing in the background of our lives. Like this thing that's quietly playing in the background of our lives. So that's why this image of a record player came to mind. So I think the stories we believe are like, are like records, Okay that are, are playing this song, but it's mostly quiet and it's mostly good, right, for the most part. Um, but it's playing this song, and it goes about as we do our lives. It, it goes this, this song playing quietly in the background. As we do life, the song's playing, and it's usually pretty good. then there comes this, 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 this moments like a record, okay? Our life is like a record, and these, these records get scratched. And our lives get scratched by stuff, okay? And when they get scratched by stuff, what happens is, is, is what was meant to be a really, 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 really good song becomes the part that was maybe not so good gets repeated over and over like a broken, skipped record. That skip plays over and over again. That skip is different for everybody, right? But maybe along the way, that skip in our record, in our, in our heart, maybe it came from the message that we may have received as kids, because again, our bodies have memories. And maybe our fathers 
Maybe they were passive. Maybe they were distant. Maybe they were silent. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they were demanding. Or maybe they were totally kind. Maybe they were totally loving, but yet maybe they were, as all we all are, flawed. I believe we carry these memories with us, and we, we teach what we know, okay? And now I believe grace covers our stories. Every sentence, every period, every paragraph is covered by grace. But I also think that every period, every sentence, every word matters of our story. It all matters. And God is working in it. But I also believe that in, in most of our stories, the fathers, the, the, whatever that story is, I believe our fathers did the best they knew how. Our fathers did the absolute best they, did, they knew how. But however, these gifts not only affect how we parent, okay, there's a song in the back of our mind, but they also can distort our view of God. And so I hope that through today, you're seeing maybe a little different picture of the Father's heart, the one who's running towards you, okay? And God wants to rewrite our stories, but he wants to show us this perfect love of, of a perfect father. And he wants to give us a new song, one that says, you're not rejected. You are valued. You are not too far gone. You are approved. Come on, man. Put this robe on. Put the, finger, the ring on your finger. Put the sandals on. Let's have a party because you're loved. That's the kind of father that, we, that, that, that God is, right? The one that says, you're mine and I love you. So now, here's the key, back to the record. To play this new song that God wants to write on our lives and on our hearts, right? To play that, the, the needle has to be lifted up onto the groove of the new track of the new song on the record. That's a picture of the gospel, folks. We can't do it on our own. We need the loving kindness and graciousness of a father of, that would send his son, that would give his life up so we would be able to be with him forever. That Jesus took our junk, our stories on his own body in the cross so we could be free. He did that so we didn't have to, we couldn't, we couldn't lift ourselves up. So the father lifts up the needle onto a new So this new song that God wants to write, he wants to, to do that for everyone here. He wants to write a new song in your heart. And I'm so excited to share that he wants to do that even right now. So I, I think the key, the message is, is returning home. God wants us to return home. And from that place, we'd be better dads. From that place, we'd be better husbands and we'd be better friends, we'd be better neighbors. That's where the place we come. We receive first before we ever do. And we'd be present with our kids and we'd be moved towards others. So I hope maybe today after, you know, hearing this, that, that you know, God's speaking something to you. Maybe it's a, I need to, you know, I need to be present with my kids. I'm going to ask that crazy question that Randy asked. I'm going to be vulnerable and say, <laughs> and, and wait, don't respond to the, whatever the answer is, don't come back at that answer your kid gives you. It says, I want you to do less of this. Don't just say, well, but I, you know, don't do that. Just say, okay, I'll get better. Maybe, maybe you need to be, you know, receive for the first time to be a son, to be a daughter. I just need to receive arms open wide, right? Maybe that's the thing you need to do today. Or maybe it is, we just need to be moved, right? We need to be moved like the Father's love towards those around us. So those, God has given us the influence. We need to just be moved towards them. So would you stand with me? We'll, we'll pray.
Father, thank you for just your always running toward us, right? We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you that we get to have a new story today. We thank you for your mercy that's over us. We thank you that you, your goodness is running after us, Lord. We thank you that we can't, out, we can't escape you. We can't outrun your love and your kindness and your goodness. Well, I just pray right now that maybe as a family, you know, as we, we just say, we want to come back home. We want to come back home no matter what we've done. We just want to come back home. And we know that before we even come back home, your grace is waiting. But we got to come back home to receive the party. we got to come back home to receive the robe. So God, I ask that you would move our hearts to come back home today. That God, I ask that you would move our hearts to be present as fathers, as, as, as parents, we will be present. Lord, and I ask you that, that God, you would allow, help us to be moved like you are moved. To chase down people like you chase down us. To, to show the love that we receive back to those around us. And Lord, I pray for all the dads today in this room that, God, they are needed. They, are, they, are, they have what it takes. They, they are the perfect person for that child that they're fathering. They are the perfect one. And God, you are going to help them through it. So, God, may you take this, the things we learned, the kazaza and all the stuff, and, God, may you do the work in us that we can't do in ourselves. May you lift that needle into the new groove that we can't do on our own. And we give you all the praise and all the honor. Everybody said, amen. This podcast is a service of Bridgeway Community Church in Rockford, Michigan. Visit bridgewaycommunity.org for more information and other messages.